0: Hello and welcome to X-Rated, the X-Men animated review show exclusive interview series. We are your host, Devin Skelhorn and Andre Mayet, and our special guest for this evening.
1: <laughs> Hi, everybody. Writer
0: Len Uly. Thanks for joining us, Len.
1: Well, thank you, and for inviting me. Uh, pleasure to see you both, and uh, uh, and whoever else is watching, because you know, one never knows with this sort of thing.
0: That's <laughs> true. Well, yeah, most it's people die to get a fit after the fact, but yeah, yeah, we do. I love those. Okay. <laughs> um, I see we, as, all, as, we, have,
1: we all have our collections of toys in the background. <laughs> so like, yeah, it's yeah. true.
0: What do you got back there? You, is that a Jubilee well, I see
1: I've I, no, I've, I've got uh I've got a, a really lovely uh sideshow collectible statue of, of uh Nightcrawler. I
0: I've love also, that I cool. also
1: got I'm doing this back. Oh, I
0: see that. Oh
1: that's that's Megavolt, a character I created for Darkwing Duck. The thing oh. next to it is a, is a writer's guild award. I'll get my head out of the way. There's <laughs> um, that, that's a, a character from Veggie Tales. And if we go this way, you'll see uh, some octonauts. Uh, you'll see a uh, the little Jewish mouse from American Tail. Oh, and yeah. Mm-hmm. Character I love that. Created at Disney. So, uh, and up you there. You created Fifel? I'm sorry? I don't oh, No. You no, no. no very oh. clear. I did not know. I created. I created bonkers. <clears throat> Feifel was created oh. for the, the good folks at uh, Amblin. And uh, no, I had nothing to do with that, but I did write two home video sequels for uh, American Tale, uh, American Tale 3 Whoa. and 4, which were released oh. by Universal Home Video when there was home video. Uh, <laughs> that was a while ago. Uh, so that's- Remember
0: those days.
1: <laughs> yes physical media i just i just uh, this is going to immediately date your uh, podcast i just read today that um netflix as of september of this year will no longer be distributing dvds that that legacy business is going away so if you like your physical media buy whatever you can now because that's becoming uh, i think
2: down. they stopped in canada a while ago they haven't been well, a netflix box here for a while I am I remember when there was one for a little while they're the red box and then it was only for like a couple months and then it sort of faded out. Ah, so. I I'm a physical media guy too. I collect uh Blu-rays and I have yeah. a lot. So uh I usually grab the things I really like just to have them in my own version, but uh I can certainly understand the appeal. That's for sure.
1: Absolutely, and you, and you can see up there. You can see some of the DVDs, which are titles I, I've written over the many thousands of years. So, yes. uh, yeah, it's it, it's a um, it's a little bit of a um, a decorative thing more than anything else at this point, because we all of us watch you know, via streaming and all that sort of thing. So, uh,
2: you know, I like the ritual, like to take out the thing, because I collect records as well, like vinyl. So it's like to take yeah. it out, to hold it, to look at it, to read the jacket, to put it on, you yes. know, to 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 watch it or listen to it. And I, I really enjoy that. But
1: um, I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. But then I'm, again, I'm uh, I'm coming from another time period. So I uh, <laughs> well, think
0: hey, 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 we now. all are. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but anyway, so what do you guys want to talk about today?
2: Well, we generally have a sort of like I have another podcast where I just interview people, and uh, Davin has, uh, you know, obviously is the uh, if the X Men. Like I, I'm a fan of X Men as well, but Davin is the Uber X Men fan. So generally, we uh, we I ask questions about your life, and then Davin asks questions about the show.
1: Oh, great! It's a therapy session. <laughs>
2: Just
0: basically well, there's that element to it.
2: Yeah. That's
1: true. I mean, we can go
2: through whatever issues you want. I mean, I'm not qualified as a therapist, but I can certainly give it the old college try.
1: Uh, well, you know that that this this could go on a bit, and you'll have to charge me 125 a minute. But you know, the either. first one
2: the first one's free. If you enjoy it, we'll talk when you when that's you come back. Right.
1: True. Yes, it sounds it sounds it sounds like something that. Uh, well, anyway, I have to keep it clean for the kid audience. But okay, good. <laughs> well, so, I mean, well, why don't you take I, it I, away, Andre? I, oh, sure. I I await your question
2: well where uh, where did you start where was uh, where were you born?
1: Oh gosh I am a native of Los Angeles there are there sure. are some of us there's who very few are... of
2: those out there. Yeah. We're, we're... I didn't know there were any. Yeah. I've yes. met one before on a movie I was on he was a native of Los Angeles as well another actor've I actor, have been
1: but... here my whole life or longer and uh, wow. grew up uh, you know in uh, on the wrong side of the tracks in Beverly Hills so I had a very weird childhood. Uh, and I went to college here. I went to school at UCLA, and basically, except for one year in Orange County, which is south of here, I have lived my entire life in Los Angeles County in various parts of the city, uh, and so I have a very boring uh, story to tell about, you know, no exotic locations or anything like that, but um, it served me well, and it, it's uh, I've, as I've said elsewhere, it's like I grew up in a company town, so show mm. business kind of made sense as a career choice. If I had grown up in Detroit, I would have wanted to go to work for the Ford Motor Company. But instead, I wanted to go to work at a TV production company or a motion picture studio or something mm. like that. It just was completely natural, which, of course, makes no sense to anybody else, you know, in the world. But sure. there it is. So, uh, but so there I, were a lot
2: of uh, things like different parts fa- facets of that industry. so what was why was writing what drew what, why was that what drew
1: well i i hm I wanted to be a writer before I knew I wanted to be a writer. but the first script I have in a storage box somewhere is a Star Trek script I wrote for my sixth grade English class. Ooh. Uh I have a Star Trek
0: podcast. So much. a huge Star Trek podcast, so my, huge Okay,
1: well, yeah, I already had the 20 years so I automatically, you know, <laughs> gravitated towards.
0: You mine too on the shelf there. Yeah. <laughs> <I was totally laughs>
1: attached. Okay. Uh, so I started writing. I did student films Here's in Star Trek. Oh, hello. Whoa! Wow. Um, I started writing student films, you know, in eighth grade, and then in in high school, uh, and started writing also musicals in high school. And when I heard people laughing and applauding, I said, Oh, yes, this sounds like a good idea. You know, it it actually was a very strange career choice, but I had no other skills, sciences, and I had a parting of the ways in the 11th grade. So (laughs) it made sense that I would do this. And so I went to UCLA, you know, local kid, uh, Mm. you know, took the bus to school every day uh, because, like I said, wrong side of the tracks. Uh, But by then I was living in West Hollywood. But anyway, I digress. So I eventually applied for and was accepted to the UCLA Film School. And at the time, and I don't know if they do this anymore, there was a two-year undergraduate part of the film school. And so I got in there and naturally... Uh, My first student film, uh, which is in Super 8. Ask your parents about that. uh, uh, A one song, nine minute sound sync, Super 8 musical, which was, you know, kind of like, again, oh, this is what I I should be doing. And at the same time, in that same junior year, I had my first sale, which is kind of weird again, um, on a show that no one remembers called Homes and Yo-Yo. It was a 13-episode series on ABC about two cops, one of whom was a robot, by the same people who had done Get Smart. And I had grown up watching shows like Rocky and Bullwinkle and Get Smart. And These were like, to me, the guys who were doing Get Smart were comedy gods, so naturally I went in there something that would never, ever, ever happen today because the business is so very different. But I saw the show got picked up reading one of the trade papers, Variety or Hollywood Reporter. And I said, oh, that sounds like fun. And, oh, I I admire those people. So I called the production office at Universal and I said, can I see a copy of the pilot script? And the director of development there said, sure. Wow. (laughs) That's crazy. Armies and armies of people saying, no, you can't. And how dare you, sir. But anyways, so I got a copy of it and I wrote a story. I didn't even write a script. I wrote a story outline. And then I sat on it because, you know, come on, I'm a college student. I have no credits. Who's going to read something from somebody like me? So again, I'm living at home. I'm a commuter to UCLA. And my mom said, tell you what, I'll mail it in for you. So she did. And like two Three days later, I get a call from the story editor on a Friday afternoon, and he says, I'm going to make your weekend. And that was my first writing assignment.
2: Oh my God. That's, oh my a, that's it's amazing. Holy crap.
1: Ridiculous. And also <laughs> profoundly unprepared for this. Okay. I, I may have had some modicum of talent, but I didn't have the discipline. Ugh. And so what they did was they took my story and they took something else that they owned from a guy named John Landis. I don't know whatever happened to him.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. he went nowhere, that <laughs> guy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm kidding. He was probably in pre-production on Animal House by that point, but I don't know. Wow. Exactly. Anyway, so they smished the two things together, and I got to write the script, and I did a fairly awful job, because like I said, I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, but it was my <laughs> first writing credit, and I got shared credit, and I was so exciting, I can't tell you. The following year, I created... A format for a television series, uh, and it was about the first black president of the United States. <laughs> like that could happen. Uh, <laughs> it was 1977, so I was a little ahead of my time. Anyway. Yeah, I'd
0: say wow. You know, like uh, that robot cop thing. How could that ever? Yeah, happen?
1: like we haven't seen that <laughs> before. Since. But anyway, um, and so that series format I had optioned uh, was. You know, I I, again, one credit, I wasn't given the opportunity to write the pilot script. Uh, They hired a professional writer, uh, and the professional writer uh, didn't do a great job. But anyway, uh, ABC paid the bills on that, and nothing ever happened with it. They never shot the pilot. But I'm graduating college, I have two credits under my belt, and I'm saying to myself, oh my goodness, this is going to be great, rocket to the moon, piece of cake. Three years of radio silence followed, okay? Mm-hmm. Nothing happened. I would write the occasional spec script. I was working odd jobs, things like that. But, you know, I was like, Ugh. But then, with the occasional assignment or option something, story or something, and eventually I ended up writing industrials and corporate shows. Now, these are like the wonder and the glory of International Widget, you know, sales presentations and Videos promoting products and things like that. Some of them turned out well. Some of them were like yee. And so, mm-hmm. I, and what was great about the whole experience was that's where I learned how to be a professional writer writing for the client, writing on a schedule, taking notes, being paid very poorly. Mm-hmm. And so, by the time several years into this, uh, one of the companies I worked for, the mom and pop companies I worked for, uh, on, in Industrials, the pop was the voice of Duke Igthorne on The Gummy Bears, one of the first <laughs> Disney TV animation television I watched shows. that. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I, I was introduced so. by Michael Rye, the late Michael Rye, who was like, he was a voice guy back in radio, okay? it was like on I've forgotten which series, but a, a bunch of them anyway. So he introduced me to Jim Maygun, who was the story editor on The Gummy Bears. So I wrote One Freelance Gummy Bears, And then I wrote one freelance uh, Ducktales, which was a Star Trek spoof. You may see a pattern forming here, uh, where no duck has gone before. Uh, (laughs) Watch it on Disney Plus; it's kind of cute even today. Uh, And so, I'm definitely watching
0: that like tomorrow.
1: Okay, uh, opportunity knocks here. (laughs) So um, Mm. after that, they were ramping up; they were doing the 65 episode orders. Which sort of was with Dis- with Ducktales, and then they started doing the Disney Afternoon, which was something that again wouldn't exist today. But that was um, a seer- a block of two hours on s- syndicated on independent television stations in the U.S. and you probably saw them also in Canada. Canada too, oh, it changed oh, Yeah, my life. yeah. I so oh yeah. Those shows, <laughs> and, were, and then they they were building up this giant staff of writers and artists and several floors in an office building. And we were turning out these 65 episode series, one after another. And so guaranteed employment as a writer. Wow. So that was the fork in the road for me. I went from being a precocious, aspiring and then struggling sitcom writer to being steadily employed in animation. That was, that was the change in my career. And so that is where I've spent the bulk of my writing career uh, doing cartoons. And I was on staff at Disney for five and a half years. And when I um, was done there. That is to say my contract was not renewed. A friend of mine uh, who had been there and then had already left, his name is Eric Leewald. And Eric Leewald was the showrunner on X-Men, the animated series. So fortunately, having read comic books when I was a kid, I knew superheroes as much as I did funny animals. So I could make the transition. And Eric was kind enough to hire me to write a total of three of X-Men, the animated series. Not a lot, but they were well-received. And that was the beginning of my animation writing career. And I started, uh, I mean, my superhero animation writing career. And I was doing that and silly comedy bits and preschool and faith-based animation. That's been a weird side career as well. So I've been at this for 37 years now, uh, writing cartoons. And uh, I'm silly enough to keep at it, you know. And I still... Sort of, you know, once in a while tipping my toe back in live action. I've got a current sitcom script which I like a lot and a lovely, touching uh comedy drama, you know, that would be nice for a streamer to pick up. And after the writers' guild is done with the strike, of course, I want to be very clear about right, that.
2: yes. I was, I've, I yeah. thought they were still in strike there, so
1: no, no, they're there, we haven't struck yet, not
2: yet, right? That's we yeah, right. Yet. Well, they're we still, scared. I guess, there's still tensions are high. Oh, so
1: they're in the midst of negotiation and the contract expires May 1. And again, I don't want to date this recording, but stuff's going to happen in one way or the other. I hope the producers uh, take the hint and and negotiate seriously and make a deal that uh, helps the Writers Guild. But this is probably not germane to what you want to talk about. Because anyway, as I mentioned, I ended up writing for X-Men, the animated series. And it was a wonderful experience working with some really, really talented people. Well, uh, on the art side, Larry Houston uh, was the producer director on that. And of course, working for Eric, you know, who was, remains to this day a, a dear friend, along with his wife, Julia, who was also a writer. They're
2: great. Yeah, we and had them who, on the show before. The right. yeah. yeah.
1: So they're they're good yeah. folk, all of them, you know. Yeah,
2: well, just glancing at your uh your IMDB, it's like uh my childhood. Like almost every show that I watch, the kid is here, which is is fantastic. So Mine yeah. too,
1: that's what uh, I'll keep saying. Yeah. Uh,
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh yeah, I'm I'm pretty uh pretty uh happy about Dark, Darkwing Duck because I was a massive fan of that as
0: well. But before we, get into, all, before we get into all that, I'll let Davin ask the next main question. Yeah, D- uh, Dark, Dark Darkwing is not, a lot
1: of work on really well, not
0: anymore now this is this is trex rated uh, <laughs> the uh, so um i got to know what your uh star trek script was about the one from <laughs> sixth grade yes the one from <laughs> uh, sixth grade
1: i don't know i'm sure it was a landing party uh and it was probably all probably 10 minutes long because i could not tell you i have not seen it put eyes on in Hey, longer than you guys have been alive, so I cannot tell you what it was about. But someday I'll find that box, and someday I'll read it, and I'll say, "So that was the what this was all about." Who lets a sixth grader figure out what you're going to do for your career? That's enough. <laughs> sure, it was
0: better than Spock's brain.
1: <laughs> now come on, that, that you're right. It was not a great episode. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, but they did other ones which were better. You know? Yeah,
2: yes, they did. You go for that again, Devin.
0: Oh, okay. Well, what do I got here? Um, well, well, you, you said you were familiar with the X Men beforehand, um, so well, we had. Oops, um, oops no, yeah, hang on. Go ahead.
1: I was. No, is deep,
0: that not true? Deep dirt. comics.
1: I was a DC reader. <laughs>
2: oh, oh no, DC oh, guy.
1: No, yes. Quite
2: all right. Quite oh, all right. We accept
0: all kinds here. There's,
1: there's one a, of those. Yeah, there's a. Spider
0: Man mug and I will be over here.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, uh, uh, in fact, uh, Spidey is the only, pretty much the only, you no, know, Spidey and Thor. Now that I think of it, I've never written for him. I've written for Avengers. I've written for X Men. I've written for Fantastic Four. Uh, I used to joke that you know one of my favorite. Uh, when people would ask at conventions, "Who's your favorite X Men?" I'd say Submariner. And, yeah. a laugh, and now he's actually in the movie oh, that's so. true yeah it's, he's one yeah.
2: of my favorite marvel characters so i can I yeah can he is,
1: is a really cool character to write too yeah anyway um so um so yeah i i read dc comics and uh but i could you know sling the lingo well enough yeah. so uh thankfully you know they they were extremely well organized on the uh, x-men series Uh, Larry Houston is a walking encyclopedia of all things uh, X-Men and Marvel. And Mm -hmm. so he, you know, whatever we didn't get out of an old, there was a giant encyclopedia that was one of our reference things. And comic books were made available on it. So I got up to speed very quickly on that. And the first one I did was Cold Comfort, which was the first time Bobby... X, uh, Bobby Drake, uh, Iceman showed up, and that also had X Factor in it, so that was real fanboy service there, uh, and you know uh, I, for I me. knew about it, <laughs> I, I wrote it for you specifically uh, <laughs> that, so that, that was a lot of fun, and a lot of people like that one, but the one that people remember most fondly that I get a lot of comments on either online or at at conventions uh, you know, we're doing no doing fewer conventions these days, but you know, whenever I appear, the thing that they want to talk about, whether I'm you know doing signing stuff or on a panel is Nightcrawler because that was the one that resonated with a lot of people. And to this day, um, you know, it's to the best of our knowledge, it was the first mainstream animated series episode that dealt with issues of faith. So that rang a lot of bells for a lot of people. Uh, and then there was a f- f- the third one I did was called Bloodlines, and that's when uh, um uh, 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 Kurt uh, nightcrawler meets his mom, you know, mystique. So you know, parent of the year there
2: uh, <laughs> and ha- and half brother.
1: yeah, and yeah. Uh, yeah, all the other bits yeah that so you know again, we had a lot of resource materials available to us. We understood what the you know what the org chart was of who's related to who and uh so that was very uh helpful when writing these things but you know uh so i was really lucky you know i was very glad there there are a lot of really fine writers who worked on that series and the well, subsequent series too but um that was that was I, I was in a i was with a good crowd on that
0: well i was curious about, about that, that crowd we had uh, well sorry andres oh you had uh, Speaking of that crowd, we had Brooks Wachtel on the show. Uh,
1: yes, and he—he he and I actually were we—we uh, we just were on a panel uh, that Larry had organized down at uh, WonderCon not long ago. So it was oh, Brooks and myself, uh, and uh, Dave McDermott, who also wrote a number of episodes with his then writing partner Stephen. Um, oh dear me! Oh gosh! Yeah. I'm blanking. I'm sorry, guys. It's late in the day here for me. Oh, uh, no worries. Steve yeah, yeah, Melchin. No oh, my God. What an idiot I am. Okay. Steve right, Melchin, right. Great guy. Lovely fellow. Apologies when he watches this. Uh, I'll, I'll just blame it on the fact that this is decaffeinated tea. you. Um, <laughs> oh,
0: nice. Mine is not. They're all great.
1: Anyway, so, um, <laughs> yeah. So, the, the, These, again, a lot of good writers working on this thing. Eric was really good. Eric Lewell was really good about casting people in, you know, this show should be written by this guy because he's a fan of history or he's, you know, um, um, you know interested in issues of faith, which was the case for me. Yeah, and that's what I was like
2: curious about. I wanted to ask you if you were, because yeah, uh, yeah. you worked, I see you worked on VeggieTales and other things that are sort of faith-based uh, things yeah. and you mentioned earlier as well. So I was curious if uh, if that was a, a through line to, to your personal interests or just something that you, you know, fell into.
1: Well, I think like a lot of people, I'm always... I'm always uh, looking for answers to stuff I don't understand, and yes, as it happens, I I I, I was, uh, you know, I, I I became baptized Episcopalian as an adult, uh, but that's a long, complicated story. But the <laughs> fact that I was I was sort of in that process of, you know, figuring out what the heck for myself, and Eric knew that, and so he said, "Oh, let's give him Nightcrawler because." Yeah, again, I, I did not create Nightcrawler. I want to be very clear about that. Mm. Some people say, "Oh, look what you did!" And I said, "No, no, the character preexisted, and they established all of this beforehand." And um, so that's why, you know, um, you know, I, I was just very fortunate to be put in the position of writing something that people liked. You know, mm. uh, and yes, I have written for Veggie Tales, which is a lovely cast of characters. I did twelve episodes of something called Superbook. Uh, which was on the Christian Broadcasting Network, I kid you not. And yep. so once in a while I sort of, you know, I, I hop over from, you know, funny animals and people in long underwear over to, you know, this other approach, uh, which is interesting, it uses a different set of muscles. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, you, know, you know, generally speaking, working with nice people who are very serious about their faith. So I have to tamp back my, you know, let's see if I can throw a joke in there. <laughs> You know, because frankly, they don't want they don't want uh, the Sermon on the Mount to be 20 minutes of stand-up, so you gotta be careful. That. <laughs> yeah, but, that's
2: true. Anyway, do that version. Pick and choose your comedy battles, I guess. <laughs> that's when it comes right. to exactly.
1: That. Figure out yeah. who your audience is and don't push. Okay. Anyway, so that's yeah, that's kind of a fun, weird sort of sidebar. But most of the time it's been boys action adventure. I did 16 static shocks, 24 Ben 10s. Uh, uh, you know, I was on staff at at Warner Brothers for a little while, and that's why I did the Static Shock, and I did. Yeah, that know,
2: has a uh, pretty big cult following too. That show. Oh, cult yeah. following! Yeah, it
1: was a giant franchise. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. only had four seasons, but that was a wonderful show. The good thing, okay, I mean, how can I put this? Um, working on Static Shock, I was working for the showrunner on that was Alan Burnett, and Alan Burnett was the guy who did. Who basically for the from the beginning of Batman the animated series forward for decades, Alan was the guy who created, uh, not, not created but but sort of supervised all of the Warner Brothers animated stuff, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, he was just a, a great storyteller, a lovely fellow, a good friend, and he was kind enough to hire me on to do Static Shock, which was a show that allowed us to do. Um, you know, tell stories that were kind of more than just everybody after the treasure blowing stuff up. Mm-hmm. Really, stuff from the heart. And uh, you know, uh, Alan and the late Dwayne McDuffie, who actually was one of the co creators of the character static, um, they, they won a Humanitas award for an episode about uh, a kid bringing a gun to school. So that was a big deal. I wrote one that uh, um, was called Frozen Out, and that was one about a young lady, the sort of the, the villain du jour. But she wasn't a villain at all. She was troubled. Uh, She had some psychological issues. She was homeless. And we could tell stories about stuff that's, you know, the human condition. Because why do you become a writer? You know, to to say, here's my opinion of the world. And so stuff like that. And then same thing when Dwayne McDuffie was running a couple of iterations of Ben 10, sort of aged up Ben 10. Uh, we got to tell all sorts of really interesting stories, some very silly and funny and broad and science fiction-y and some kind of offbeat. And so that's, you know, it's not every day you get to do that as an animation writer, but when you get the opportunity to do that, if you've got people who are willing to sort of go to the mat and say, I want to tell us stories that are bigger than the same old, same old, you know, there's a fight in Act One. There's a fight in Act Two. That kind of stuff. Those are fine, and that's the bread and butter. But once in a while, you get to do something that extra, and that's you can. Those are the ones you could be most proud of, like the Nightcrawler episode or the, the Cold Comfort, Frozen Out. Things that are about people, because even though it's people, in you know, with superpowers, or you know, a talking bear, it's it's all. We're, we're just writing to entertain people with stories about people
2: yeah and, you know, well that's the one thing that stood out to us when we watched the nightcrawler episodes we just watched bloodlines uh, last week and oh. um it, uh whenever he appears he's such a, he's so different than anything else that's seen in that show and also in cartoons really that time period as far as his motivations go and him as a character goes like you were right about saying that uh, like a faith-based character uh, as a hero i mean he's often used as maybe some kind of a fanatic or a zealot or something. Um, in cartoons, but it's rare you see one that uh, is is heroic um, beyond anything that's based on the Bible or something like that. So it uh, it, it was very cool and very unique.
1: Very interesting character. I think co-created by the late Len Wein, if memory serves. Um, Dave Cochran,
2: too. Dave Cochran, I think, wrote it. And Cochran, yes. Uh,
1: And, you know, so you know, I'm standing on the shoulders of giants kind of thing. Uh, Mm. I got, you know, I'm just this guy, you know, as they said in Hitchhiker's Guide. Uh, My favorite book. Yeah. Um, so it's just, uh, I, I've been very fortunate to work with some really talented people and, you know, uh, yeah, 260 some episodes later, I'm beginning to get the hang of it. <laughs> you know, eventually I'll go pro, you know, that kind of thing. You say,
2: we're rooting <laughs> for you. Well, I got <laughs> some further questions, but I'll let
0: Davin take one. Uh,
1: no, so no, next, next well, question. Dan.
0: Brooks mentioned that, um, you guys would have these meetings on X Men where you would they would discuss certain stories that they wanted to tell coming up, and that you guys could kind of put up your hand and sort of take ones you wanted. Uh, did you do that with any of those, or did were you just assign them because um, Eric kind of knew your interests?
1: I think. Well, I was only in like one of those meetings, uh, and <laughs> that was fairly early on. I, again, they were already up and running. I was I came in. Third season ish, so because I was previously employed at the Walt Disney Company, and so not available. But um, once I got in on it, I, I I think I attended one or two meetings. But you know, usually I think Eric would say, you know, this is one for you, and this is one for you. And yeah, I'm sure you could put if you had if you were really into the Marvel characters and you uh, co- comics and you'd read this story or that story. I know with, with Brooks, he 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 wanted a couple of the stories i think he worked on the phoenix saga or one portion thereof mm-hmm. yep. and so you know he you know finale, he said, yeah. really 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 wanted that kind of stuff and that's 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 fine too every show is different you know, sometimes if you've got a show that has a season long arc you're just fitting into doing that uh, you know episode 5 of 7 that are telling that story or you can go in and pitch ideas. It just, you know, like I say, from one show to another, the rules change. You know, so um, uh, other shows, yeah, I would go in and pitch six ideas or whatever or ten ideas. Uh, and other shows, it's like, Len, here's something for you. Okay, you know, <laughs> glad to have the work. You know?
2: How how much like. Um... Like, I'm just looking at some of your, the stuff you've worked on and, you know, it's like bonkers, three episodes, like all these things that I love, Darkwing, DuckTales, Spin, Chip and Dale. Like how much, when you go into that job as a freelance writer hired to do one of these shows, like how much, I guess at this time it wasn't like you could go load it up on Disney Plus and watch all the episodes that came before it to get your material. Did they yeah. just send you tapes or did you just have to... Follow well, a few scripts to give you an idea of the characters and what they had established already, or
1: with regard to the Disney stuff, I was on staff right. during all of that, so we were all one giant group of people, you know, breaking stories or uh pitching stories or something like that. Um, for other shows, you know, if you're coming in as a freelancer, you know, uh, you if you're lucky, they have a series Bible, and mm-hmm. the series Bible gives you some sense of sort of what the world is like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then if there are other scripts, you know, the pilot or the pilot and several others, you know, if it's a show that's been up and running for a while, then you have an opportunity to, you know, see episodes or failing that at least read scripts. So you can begin to get the voice because, you know, we to, you always want to bring your personal skills and quirks to the work but at the same time you also have to fill in your you know uh you don't want to be writing um a, a dark violent comedy and try to do <laughs> musical number, you yeah. know as much as i like musical numbers <laughs> <laughs> i'd
2: like to see that actually yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah but
1: i mean you know if you're if you're uh writing writing for uh, some uh blood and gutsy show it's not going to be you don't want to veer too far because uh, they'll have to then then you won't get hired again, because that means that the story editor, showrunner, whomever, has to take his weekend or her weekend and rewrite what you've done and mm-hmm. messed up. So you, you want to sort of try to fit within certain parameters, you know, as often as you can. That mm-hmm. way they ask you back if you're fortunate.
0: So, awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Should we throw of so, an audience question here? Sure.
1: Uh, uh, you have an audience? Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, just, One or two. Yeah.
0: Dan, the man asks, he says, hey, everyone, question for Mr. Uli. How does he feel about creating a pilot to shop around for investors?
1: I would love to do that. I have done that uh, from time to time in the past. Um, Like I say, uh, right now I've got a a sitcom pilot uh, that's uh, set in a struggling animation studio because, you know, write what you know, right? Of course. Uh, And, you know, I've written uh, other attempts at that in the past um the chances are it's an extraordinarily hard thing to accomplish mm. you know there are you know big deal showrunners who aren't able to get shows up and running these yeah. days so some guy like me the the um, the odds are difficult but you know hope springs eternal uh i I'd, I'd like to before it's all said and done i'd like a chance to do something Preferably in live action, but certainly in animation um, would be great too. That's something that's mine, uh, and uh, just try to bring it to life and see what happens. But um, you know, gosh, guys, it is, it is, it really is a a, a coin flip, a roll of the dice, uh, you know, a, a moonshot, really. But you know, yeah, yeah like I say, I got to keep trying because like, what else? Of can course, I get, you know? yeah, of course.
2: Um, you mentioned that you did a bit of live action. I noticed uh, Young Hercules is one of your credits. Okay, uh, once
1: again, our good friend Eric Leewald uh, was... Here's what happened there. Eric and Julia were running RoboCop Alpha Commando.
2: Yes. which.
1: And, um, and then got the call. I don't, I'm not sure how. They probably can tell you. But they got the call to go over and run for Fox Kids... Young Hercules, which was, uh, you know, Rob Tappert and Sam spin mm-hmm. uh, spinoff of uh, uh, Hercules and Xena. OK, mm-hmm. so uh, and these were being shot on a very fast pace and low budget down in New Zealand where Hercules was being shot. And so Eric and Julie went off to do that. And I picked up the last few episodes of uh, RoboCop to story edit and, you know, sort of finish that off. And then I got a chance to write a couple of episodes of Young Hercules. And of course, you know, that was like this wonderful step back into live action, because, you know, that's what I wanted to be when I grew up. So, you know, it was great fun, and the people making it again, really smart, uh, talented folk. And um, so a bunch of us uh, came over from you know Eric brought in a bunch of folk from the animation world and some live action writers too that were you know part of that milieu uh, there at at uh, uh, their production uh, Raimi and Tappert's production company and then uh, got to do that and actually they turned out pretty well they were a lot of fun and and one of them was rather serious you know going to the underworld and there was death involved and mm-hmm. when you're writing cartoons generally you can't kill characters guest stars or anybody even mm-hmm. you know people in the background so you know you're able to do real life and death stuff thank you yes may i have another please you know yeah. so it was just it was a nice little sort of tease and and there were a few residuals involved because as you guys know uh, people who write animation unless you're writing one of the primetime fox series there are no residuals, so ooh, cash that comes in the mail. We all yeah. like that. We'd like that. To have more than that you know that was uh, that was that a
2: too. perennial favorite of mine as a kid and also, you know, started a very famous Canadian who seemed to go a place or two beyond that show. so yeah, uh, yeah.
1: he, he stood all right for himself. yeah, he, he did all right. He, he was a skinny little, I'm not sure he was even. Was he out of his teens? Was he like twenty or something? Uh
2: no, I think he was still I think it was he was doing the show called Breaker High, which was pretty popular on like Y T V or something when we were kids. And then uh, I think that was after that. I think he was a little older. I don't think he was quite an adult yet, but uh he'd been child acting most of his most of his life. So
1: Yeah, no, he's been at it a while and yes, as you say, it's worked out rather well for Ryan Gosling. So. Yeah, he's doing
2: he's doing pretty good. He's he's, he's He's Ken in the new Barbie movie, so he's doing that's all right.
1: right, and that looks hilarious. I'm very
2: excited for that; it looks very fun. Yeah, you know, there's
1: there's something that that uh, I didn't play with Barbies, but I did have a GI Joe or two. So yeah. you know, <laughs> anyway, that's my childhood again popping uh, up in strange away.
0: Yeah. I'll throw it to Maybe. Devin. I wonder, I wonder. Um, because we hear about actors and stuff getting typecast and pigeonholed and stuff like that. Do you find that happens with writers as well or even yourself? Like,
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, it, absolutely. Can you, yeah, can you
0: spend, like, too much time in animation and then you're sort of stuck oh, there? Oh, yeah. Like
1: oh, absolutely. No, you know, uh, I, uh, like I said, I've, I've written a couple hundred episodes and none of them uh, count for very much at all in live action. Because, oh, that's for a lot of people, not always. That's just cartoons. Mm-hmm. Even though it's the exact same thing, we are telling stories, Mm. you know, and some of them are, look, there are terrible writers in animation and there are terrible writers in live action. And there are some good writers in animation, some good writers in live action, but there is a, there is a kind of a schism less so now, but, um, certainly in the, in the old days, before there were all these animated streaming series, you know, where, animation became very hot. Um, there was this, well, you know, that's different. And, again, historically, again, I won't bore your viewers mm-hmm. with this, but historically, most animation was written under an IATSE Local 839, now called the Animation Guild, it used to be Motion Picture Screen Cartoonists. And then there's the live action stuff, which is run written under the Writers Guild. And the compensation and the protections and the residuals there are none no direct residuals in writing for animation that's considerably lower so there's a disparity in terms of of cash being paid for the work and so of course that is reflected in the perceived quality of it but anyway that's you know this is a a long-standing issue
2: it's so nuts to me because like like Animation is predominantly, I mean, obviously there's lots of outliers that are aimed at adults, but it's, uh, it's like the kids thing. Like all the biggest kid shows of all time, pretty much are all animated. So like to like, to, to put it in a box that's like, this has no value or not, not no value, but it's a lesser value than live action. is crazy. Cause like all my friends have kids, all those uh-huh. kids watch Paw Patrol or all these shows that are animated. What? And like, you can't tell me those shows are not multi million billion dollar industry. Some of them. Yeah. Um, and you know, the other people writing the thing, like it wouldn't exist without that. So it's, it just drives me nuts that, uh, it, it, it's a, that so, this whole chunk of the world is like, you know, diminished because of it's a, it's a cartoon.
1: And that, and that is to the advantage of the studio. Of course. Yes, of course. You know, they have it, to pay it, you as much for them. It's, you know, it's, it's a cash issue, but. Anyway, listen, we don't need to talk labor relations at this point. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's right? fine. That's well, fine. That's I'll fine. put you guys <laughs> The audience loves
2: labor relations. Uh, yeah, our, yeah our, our fan base is very labor relations. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm that's kidding. Good. It's true. But well, uh, hey, yeah, Daphne, go ahead.
1: It's a, it's a source of, of uh, constant conversation, shall we say. Uh, well, but, yeah. And especially now with the uh, uh, negotiations that are taking mm-hmm. place between the writers guild and the amptp the producers unit so um whatever i say will be almost out of date immediately so never mind press on well,
2: well it's funny because i listen to podcasts from some uh people that write for movies and uh yes. and usually they're not really about writing they just are writers that are doing other stuff and uh it like I, I i pick one i usually go through the whole catalog of some doing stuff and and as as i catch up to current date every once in a while one of them will talk about some issue between the the union and the and the producers and blah blah blah. So I think one of that's maybe about a year and a half ago is also talking about a close to strike is where I'm at roughly in, in their run. So uh, it's just really funny to uh, that that issue never seems to stop. It just completely no because trudges every, on
1: every three years contracts expire and yeah. stuff has to happen to mm-hmm. keep pace with things. Um, uh, script notes by uh, John August and uh, Greg Mason uh, Craig Mason, excuse me. Uh, that's one of the very best ones because that talks about the craft of writing as mm. well as the business of writing. So, yeah. uh, and they've been—I think—they're on their. Oh, first, that sounds great. Five hundred ninety-fourth episode, or something. Oh, like I'll plug it in. They've been—they've been doing this a while, yeah. So, listen yeah. to that on your Apple Podcast. Oh, we'll do.
0: Yeah, awesome. Damien, go ahead. Here's an interesting question. I mean, you say you're a DC guy, and that's fine too but is, so is there like a, a, if you could have any, (laughs) don't diminish any. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm just saying like, that's kind of maybe where his, the, his answer to this question will lead. Uh, If you could have any superpower, I asked this to everybody, what would it be?
1: Well, my favorite character growing up was the green lantern. Uh, And uh, I, 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 there's a photo of me at some birthday party where we all dressed in costume and, I dressed up as the Green Lantern, mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, that and would be a construct.
0: Cool.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I just I just thought the character was terribly interesting. There've been multiple iterations of it since you know my Green Lantern was Hal Jordan. Most people, you know, in your age group, it, it would be John Stewart. And you know, I have had the privilege of of uh, uh, you know writing for that character briefly. Uh, and Phil LaMarr is the voice of Jon Stewart in the DC animated stuff, or has been for the most part. I, I, I didn't and want to it, ask
2: you about that. So, uh, it,
1: Well, we can spend the rest of the hour on how wonderful the voice actors, all of the voice actors that I've had a privilege to write for. Um, they're just terrific people. So talented and nice. I mean, smart and funny and nice. The, you know, we don't see, but when we write cartoons, we don't see the show on a sound stage. We don't see the show in front of a studio audience, uh, which is where I started wanting to be a you know sitcom writer. But what the the closest we get to opening night is, if we're fortunate enough to be invited to a recording session, and so you're sitting behind the glass with the engineer and the voice director and the showrunners and all those people and you hear these extraordinarily talented people take your words and make them better. And there's no greater pleasure in this weird little corner of the business than that. It is so much fun. And then I get to be and people who do what I do, we all get to be fans of these people. They they're Rob Paulson's and Maurice LaMarche's of the world, the Jim Cummings of the world. Uh, you know, like I mentioned, Phil, uh, Tara Strong. Uh, all these people are just amazing, really amazing. And, uh, you know, as soon as some of them walk into the room, I'm laughing. It just, whatever they do is hilarious. And so, you know, that that really sort of fills up the tank. And you say, oh, gosh, I got to do one of these again. So, you know, uh, that's that's been a great great joy. And so, uh, I consider myself very privileged to be in a, that situation. It doesn't happen often, especially if you're a freelancer. But if it happens, mm-hmm. oh boy. It's, you know, it's like going to the fair. It's great.
2: Like when you got the gig to do the Justice League Unlim- uh, unlimited was it unlimited at that point or just no, Justice I, League? It was I, just I Justice it was, League at that point, yeah. First, yeah. Um like what was it a submit something or did you pick something because you wanted a green lantern or
1: i was still i was still on staff at warner brothers you know still involved finishing up i guess i don't remember the chronology uh on static shot so i got to write uh, two stories and the story and teleplay of one of them and it was a a justice league which had metamorpho in it
2: yeah which was awesome i love that episode because i love metamorpho and it was very a very classic. like it was cool to see a character that was so classic injected into what was more modern version of the justice league and so i i really
1: enjoyed that here's a little uh uh, asterisk on that one the voice actor who did that was tom sizemore who just passed recently
0: oh really Uh, wow yeah, I did not
1: know he was the
2: voice yeah. of him. That's amazing.
1: Well, he uh, Andrea Romano, who would all of these voices act uh, voice directors are wonderful. But Andrea would bring in these people from all parts of the industry and said, "You want to come play with us?" She is just uh, an amazing voice director, and what a lo- and a lovely person as well. Anyway, so she would bring in people like that, and uh, you know, I think um, when I did an episode of the Batman, I think. Dermot Mulrooney was the oh really Al Jordan for that one. That's awesome. But uh, you know, but anyway, so but most of the time, you know, at, during my time at Warner Brothers, and things have changed obviously since. Uh, Phil Lamar was the voice of John Stewart Green Lantern, and uh, there's you know no nicer guy in the business. He's just wonderful, wonderful fellow. Uh, fantastic all, voice, yeah. Yeah, great voice. So versatile. Oh my goodness, that's the thing. They're all so versatile. They can do so many things, and you know they have this toolkit. Where you, you know, say, "What have you got for this?" and they'll come up with something, and they'll give you another version and another version. I don't know. It's 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 a well. I skill set.
2: There are a few animated shows that really capture like that are based on the source material like a comic book that really mm-hmm. capture the feel like the, the the best version of that. Like X Men was one. I Justice League and and the and Batman the animated series was another. Oh, um brilliant. Yeah, I'm, I'm massive Man. fans of all those shows. So uh, yeah, and uh, Spider Man as well. The um the Fox Spider Man cartoon was good as well. Yeah. So uh, but but that's the Justice League. I think. Well, I think Batman and Justice League are are very unique in how how uh, amazingly put together that series was.
1: Yes, I I agree. Uh, there, again the Warner Brothers stuff. Well, you know, at, Batman the animated series and X Men the animated series began more or less at the same time. Mm-hmm. The difference was that. Uh, Warner Brothers, you know, both had wonderful writing and producing and directing, but the Warner Brothers shows had like five times the budget.
2: Oh yeah, of, yeah, you can tell.
1: Yeah, you can tell. But you know, still they show up because the storytelling is so good. Yeah. Uh, but in, in terms of just the fluidity of the animation, the the musical scores that what, what was her name? I believe the late like, Shirley Walker did in the mm-hmm. early Warner Brothers stuff. Just ah. Uh, it's you know it's it's just brilliant work and so yeah those those things will you know be watched as long as there's television in one form or another just because they're just so well made and you know um, like I say I, I got a chance to work with Alan Burnett and you know there's Paul Dini and and all of the people of Tim. Bruce Tim of course was yeah. sort of the creative on the art side fellow on all of those shows and you know these are all very 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 good at their jobs you know so you know when you when you're lucky enough to have a show like you know made by people of this quality you say well okay this is this is going to be something I can show with pride even if it's only cartoons you know?
0: <laughs> hey devin you ever um have you ever thought of or have you been, maybe um Ever written for comics or ever wanted to? No, i wanted game.
1: to, yes. Done so, no. I do have some friends who have done so. And and it's, again, something I've, I've never really pursued. But, you know, if there were an opportunity, I'd jump at it. Uh, in fact, uh, Paul Dini and Alan Burnett have been writing a series of sort of a continuation of Batman the Animated Series in comic book form. They've done several iterations of that and uh
2: yeah ty templeton works on that i'm a fan of him as well yes, So yes yeah.
1: and so they and again it's great fun uh but again no it's something i've i've, I've never done uh i was just a reader never <laughs> a reader. But i do have friends there's a young lady i know named amy chase who uh it works uh at sideshow collectibles people who build all those wonderful insanely right. expensive maquettes i got one I got this as a gift. I wouldn't have bought it for myself, heaven's knows, but um she has now gone uh started writing comic books and she oh, wow. just, she just had um uh her uh, first major title. It's something I didn't know until she told us about it. um they're doing a horror line at Archie comics, oh and yes so she's got uh a couple of credits going on there and other things and you know, like I say, Alan and Paul doing their stuff. Uh, certainly, uh, uh, Dennis Cowan, uh, is, who was is one of the co-creators of all the Milestone comics, he's involved with the creation of new Static Shock, excuse me, Static, not Static Shock comics. Uh, you know, he's a wonderful artist. Uh, and, and he worked on the Static Shock cartoon show as a director. Anyway, so... Uh, yeah, it's a it's a different business. I, I'm fascinated by it, but I've not pursued it. I should have given that as the short answer, and we could go on to something else. Sorry.
2: Well, mention your connection to comics. I mean, and you work closely, obviously, on Static Shock with Dwayne McDuffie. Um, You know, he's uh, very, very beloved by his fan base for uh, the Icon series and uh, okay. the Milestone comics and, and Static, where Static Shock appeared initially and, uh, uh, and a bunch of his comic writing beyond that. Do you have much of a relationship with him?
1: Uh. Well, yes, and I'm going to try to avoid crying, but here's the deal. Uh, Dwayne was not involved. He had co-created the character that was the star of Static Shock. Mm -hmm. But Dwayne was not intimately involved in the production of Static Shock. He was just writing on it like yours truly. Mm -hmm. Um, And in fact, I think he was even living in Florida at that point. But anyway, he eventually moved here and then went on staff at Warner Brothers um, and moved up very, very quickly because he was, I don't know how much you know about Dwayne, he's passed, I think he passed in yeah. 2011. It's a while ago um,
2: now, yeah.
1: He, people use the word genius a lot for people who are in the creative fields. He was actually a genius. I mean, the guy went to high school when he was, excuse me, he went to college when he was like 14 or something like that. And then Went back to high school just to have a regular childhood, and then went to college again and got two degrees at University yeah, of Michigan. Yeah. Um, was writing at um, Marvel in DC. You know, was one of the creators of the Milestone comic line, which was the first uh, African American owned uh, um, uh, comic book company. Uh, and you know, with his partners, created all of those terrific characters. Eventually distributed by. DC, but anyway. So Dwayne, Dwayne saw much, you know. Thankfully, I'm Dwayne saw the work I'd done on Static Shock, liked what he saw of the work I did. And when he went over, and when he was finished on Justice League Unlimited, he went over to Cartoon Network and started to. He did a sort of a reboot-ish thing of Ben Ten, which was. The original, you know, Ben Tennyson was a fairly young character. He aged him up and so told a slightly different kind of story about Ben Tennyson, but still he had the honor tricks and all that sort of thing. Mm. So he liked that, the work that I'd done, and so he asked me, because, again, I'm freelancing at this point, uh, to start writing for his versions of Ben Ten. So I ended up writing, I don't know, 16 for Dwayne on um, two – or three versions of, let's see, there was Ultimate Alien, and um, um, anyway, there, there, there were a couple of ver- different versions. I'm sorry, guys. I, I'm, I'm, I'm too right, No worse. No worse at all. <laughs> too many, too many stories running in my head. Uh, anyway, I did two <laughs> versions of of that. Hold on. Um, yes, Ultimate Alien. And uh, another one. And then when Dwayne passed, tragically, and I do mean tragically, because what an extraordinary talent. What a loss for all of us, really. Uh, And then uh, his widow, Charlotte, and his best friend from high school and college, Matt Wayne, were the story editors on Ben 10 Omniverse. And so I worked on three versions of um, the Ben 10 series and did a total of 24.
0: And as I say, I
1: got a chance to write some weird stuff. I got really dark stuff and big, broad comedy. And, you know, it was that kind of show that you could sort of, the the road was wide enough so you could do all sorts of cool things within the Ben 10 story setup. So, uh, yeah, Dwayne, uh, God, it's just, it's a tragedy to have lost him. An extraordinary, talented man, so smart. You know, he, you know, he read a, probably read a book a night probably could write a book a night, you know, I mean, just what a talent anyway. So yeah. there, uh, there, we have done another eulogy <laughs> for, for him. That's a shame. Well,
2: he was such a, like an innovator in the comic industry for the, all those, like for creating right. basically a, a line of black superheroes that wasn't really something that was, you know, they, they existed, but net, never like a whole line where every series really focused on a different one. And well, yeah. uh, it was such a cool, great concept. The, the books were great. Um, even when he tried his hand at Marvel, regular Marvel stuff, all those books are fantastic too. So, I mean, I think we're all kind of surprised when he passed, and uh, it was very sad. well.
1: It, it, it was it was just a shock. Yeah, was, I, mean, I knew he would had some health problems, which you know he's talked about. Uh, but he, uh, you know, it was a giant, literally in every way. He was a big fella, and he he um, was a giant just in terms of intellect. And his stature in the business. And, and anyways, <clears throat> sorry. Okay, that's
2: that's all right. I don't, don't yeah. want to make you.
1: Uh, no, no. I, yeah. just, he was he was a great guy, and yeah. I was I was privileged to know him. I learned a lot from him. I, yeah. I you know I, as much as I like to think. Oh, gee, I'm you know I, I, I've got this figured out. No, I learned so much from him, and especially going to bat for stories that you care about. Mm. He did that. And um who's gonna argue with him? It <laughs> yeah. was he was right, yeah. you know, with whatever it is he was doing. He, and it was very powerful and persuasive, and we all who knew him miss him. Yeah. Anyway, so that's that's brought the whole conversation down.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, perhaps fellas. on a, a lighter note, <laughs> no, that's perfectly fine. Um perhaps on a lighter note regarding static shock, friend of the show Rick Hoberg told yes. us that when we get to Spider-Man. He'll come back and tell us all the dirt on John Semper Jr. Now, as, since you were both writers on Static Shock, can I assume you also have a mountain of dirt on John Sepper Jr.?
1: Um, I, I, I would not like <laughs> to uh, answer that question. <laughs> 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 the fifth. We, 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 yeah. we, you know, we do, Here's the thing it's so easy, and this isn't you know about any individual in particular, but it's so easy to say, oh, well, this person did that, and this person did another thing. You know, I, life's too short. We all are trying to do our best. We're all trying to be creative and stuff like that. I, I don't want to diss anybody, especially not on, uh, you know, on the airwaves or whatever. Uh, this is podcast. Rick doesn't seem to mind. <laughs> I, I will. I will look forward to uh, watching all of your podcasts so I can hear all of the dirt of, on all these people that I would not personally say.
2: <laughs> Quite all right. Uh, Okay. No, very cool. No, no. You go ahead and get We don't, don't feel in sales. the
0: dirt business. No, not no so I'm
1: not in the dirt business. So I just I not, no, not neither are we. I, I care to nah, do.
2: we never want the show to be a gotcha kind of show. It's mostly no, just a celebration no of bad. the sort of, the work. So uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: All right. So yeah, uh, we got another one? I, is there another oh, lighter yeah. note <laughs> that I can oh, that yeah. I can dodge awkwardly? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Definitely. Definitely. Let's see how you dodge this one. Um okay. Okay, <laughs> here's one. So which has which has the best theme song of these uh, shows you worked on? Excellent, D- Darkwing Duck, Gummy Bears, Ducktales, or Chippendales Rescue? Race? Oh man, those uh, are those all those bangers. Are the best. Yeah, all I know, right?
1: so good. Oh my gosh. Um, I mean, Darkwing Duck is
2: my ringtone. Darkwing Duck is my ringtone on my phone. So, well, uh, you
1: know, <laughs> they're they're all great. They're, you know, you basically did the the the, the top five. War or whatever yeah, real shows. sophie's I mean, choice you're giving him here everybody as soon as you hear bump, 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 bump you know you're doing the ducktails once you hear you're gonna say oh x-men and everybody sings along when you go to these conventions it's so weird everybody they start playing that stuff and everybody is singing along even if there are no words but when there are words they're definitely all singing along mm-hmm. so yeah you've got many (laughs) generations now, which is kind of weird to think about of people who were fans of all these shows. And it was, it's part of their DNA. One of the things people in my end of the world hear a lot when you go to these conventions, is, Oh, thank you. You made my childhood. And sometimes you want to say, I apologize. (laughs) Or you, but the, the correct answer is, Oh, that's very kind of you to say, thank you. I'm glad you enjoyed. I'm glad you watched the show because without those people, uh, none of us would have had jobs. So, you know, I'd still be working in the drugstore where I worked in high school. So uh, I, this is better. Uh, and I, I'm I'm glad people are fond of these things, which is the best one. I, they're all good. They're all fabulous, you know. And, uh, uh, you know, but again, I, I grew up, you know, singing the theme songs from like Super Chicken and things like so, don't go by me, you know. I
0: mean,
1: it's, this this goes back a bit, but look it up anyway. So you had J. Ward stuff.
2: You mentioned, uh, you know, when writing of of trying to stay on on task for what the, the the sense of the show is, as far as keeping the tone and and all that stuff uh similar, not going dark in a light show, vice versa. So um, the end of uh, Bloodlines actually was one of my favorite, but I think it was as close it was as close to horror or one of the close to horrors the X Men cartoon show got when they dump when they dump Victor or uh, when they dump uh, Graydon Creed off on uh, Victor's doorstep. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that that was a fantastic little stinger to end the show on that I thought was really fun. Um,
0: uh, I actually, in The horror was, cabin and everything. Yeah, just,
2: <laughs> like he's just standing up. You see the shadow of him standing on the deck, waiting, watching him parachute down towards him. And you know where it's going, but you're just like it, the, like the the full size of him, the the, the at nighttime, you know, Creed obviously lot losing his mind, all that stuff was uh was was very unique and very fun. So do you like like to pepper that stuff in, or just where where it can be, or do you have a, a the story to that?
1: calls for it? I mean, yeah. you know, where that was a show all about dysfunctional family relationships. And um, gosh, you know, come to Papa <laughs> was the only appropriate response. And We hadn't
2: there. seen him on the show for a couple seasons. He hadn't been on you know, for a while. And, so and I don't
1: believe Graydon Creed ever made another appearance in the show. No,
2: neither did Victor. I don't think.
1: Yeah. So uh, or, or uh,
2: Mystique I'm, or a few other. Probably ever after. I'm certain of it. Yeah. yeah you know, maybe so. in the new, Maybe the new show will be revisited, but uh. you
1: know. And I, uh, full disclosure, I know absolutely nothing about the new show uh, uh, except what I read. And I'm looking forward to it a lot because I think the people involved are all huge fans of the original series. Mm -hmm. And I know that Eric and Julia and Larry have all been consultants on the show. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, from everything they say, and they're very, of course, circumspect about that, but it sounds like things are in very good hands. And also they have a much bigger budget than the original series. So it'll probably also look really good while paying homage to the... Um, uh, the s- style of the show, but just with uh, you know uh, higher production values. So well, I, uh, whenever it comes out, I'm gonna be, be glued to the set
2: too. Well, i sure, uh, You must be aware that they they uh, promoted the Nightcrawler to one of the main the main roster, he's going to be one of the main characters in the show. So so that is great that, you know, the legacy of your character continues on. uh, Well, again, not
1: my character. Well, your version
2: of the character. So I got, I I
1: got to, I got to play with him. Uh, you know, he, he appeared in, uh, I think he, he appeared in X-Men revolution. And I, I'm not sure if he was in Wolverine and the X-Men, but, uh, I, I, I did write for him, I think briefly in the one I did one episode of revolution, one episode of, uh, Wolverine and the X Men. So yeah. you know, um, but you know, it's a great character. I think. Now you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. I think he may have appeared previously in other uh, X Men kind only, of only
2: uh, the pilot. The pilot of the for the, um, they did a pilot for an X Men show that never got picked up before. Five, they did yeah. this one, and Five he was in, the yeah. He, he was, was the hero in that
0: one. Yeah, he was like the the big so, hero.
1: that. you know, again. I, I got to ha- I got to sort of carry carry him for a while. But you know, mm-hmm. other people have done it since, and you, of course, you've seen him appear in live action. Yeah,
2: but uh, there are certain versions of certain characters, especially ones that get rebooted a lot, um, that you know, everyone has their favorite, and uh, or the one that, like, when you think of your version of the character, you know, this is the one that to me is is what that character is. And I think for a lot oh, of people,
1: that's, that's lovely, uh, lovely. Your Nightcrawler thank you. is. Thank you. I, 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 like I say, I got. Lucky to be handed the assignment, and uh, uh, I, I'm glad that people enjoy what I did with it. You know, uh, you, always,
0: you look at these things. Means, uh, after, ver- oh, sorry. Go ahead.
1: I know. I was just saying you look at these things after the fact and you say, okay, um, would I have done things differently now than I did a years ago? Yeah, probably. But, um, you know, all in all, people respond well to it, and I just have to say thank you. anyway i think
0: i think the version of the character they used for the movie was very much based on your interpretation of the character in the
1: cartoons um i've heard that before and that's would be uh you know very flattering if that were the case um you know we there is the story which has been published elsewhere that uh brian singer never read any of the comics he watched the original cartoon series and we've heard that from people who, you know, were actually involved in the live action stuff. So well, it's, we, believe it's,
2: we even referenced that in um, last episode, because while watching Bloodlines, um, the, the setting for that episode is very much the setting for X-Men 2. Uh, at the end, it all ends in a big fight in a dam that you have to hold back. And it, and it looks almost exactly the same as um, as the, the movie, mm-hmm. like where, where the, the final fight takes place. You
1: know, so, I don't think I ever... Noticed that before. I'll yeah. have to go back and watch. You know, yeah. <laughs>
0: you know what? maybe consult your lawyers. I think there's some <laughs> Well,
1: uh, yeah. all work for hire. I have yeah. no claim of ownership. I was gonna
2: you say, who, who are they gonna sue themselves? I mean, Fox do both, so you <laughs> it's, know. Like, it's, it's all Disney is. now. It's yeah, all it's
0: one supposed. happy family. It's
1: like the it's Ruttles, like they it. accidentally sued themselves, you know. So
0: Devin, you any, got anything else? We should <laughs> let Miss Julie Go. Well, I gotta ask you Andre's favorite question, which is what's your favorite movie? Yeah, this—that is my favorite question.
1: I have several, so I can't answer just one. I'm. That's sorry. all right. Shoot um, them
0: out there. We'll take them. I oh. do that all the time. All right. Yep. Um.
1: In the in the way of comedies, things like Dave, that oh, thing you glorious. do, um, um, wow, um. I, I'll watch those anytime they're on TV. They um, uh, certainly the, the the original X-Men movie I thought was very good. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, the original Superman the 1978 Superman uh, you know even though some parts of it are a little corny, you know mm-hmm. he, that is to my mind that is Superman as I grew up thinking of Superman. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know I've like you know a lot of the uh, Christopher Nolan Batman stuff if you're talking about superhero stuff. Mm-hmm. Certainly, when you look at some of the uh phase one and phase two Avengers movies, you know, they're brilliantly made, they're just terrific. Um, Hard Day's Night, nice, uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, classic. I mean, I, you know, guys, this this could go on for days, yeah. Oh, well,
2: it's all good stuff,
1: <laughs> you know. I, 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 I just, uh, as you can tell, it's um. Uh, uh, eclectic and weird and you know um I, I like musicals you know and singing in the rain and stuff like that and you know uh, well,
2: that's the sign of a good writer your interests are bright you need to be able to bring a baby name. fabulous film it wow.
1: fabulous film you know these are stuff that that you, you say oh my gosh if i could write something on uh, one-tenth as good as these things but, you know, again, uh, you know, Marx Brothers movies, come on, you know, all of this stuff is foundational. You know, mm-hmm. this is what everybody has tried to do. I'm sure there's a dozen Martin Scorsese films I can talk about, too. Yeah, you know, well. To the chance, okay. Especially his musical work. But um, don't laugh. He did do New York, New York. I um, was going to
2: say, yeah, that's the I, only one I would say, uh, isn't it? Yeah. Know,
1: but, you know, I, I mean, gosh, um, I, I, I should have the right answer. I should have one film... Oh. In my, uh, you know, there's my, no
2: right answer. There isn't. No, I mean, there's
1: there's we, just it, a, a lot of films, and uh, I think uh, it depends I'll, on
2: who you are at the time, is what you're like. People change, right? You're never the you you were before. So it just depends on what right. you you are now as to what your favorite movie yeah. is. I think for uh, most
1: I most probably would not in, enjoy Seven Voyages of Sinbad as much as I did when I was five.
2: Ah, um, those are still fun. I, I like the Harry House, and I'll, I'll watch any of those I'll, yeah. There, there there. again.
1: Great. Great. You know, how? Uh, how can you? How can you say, oh, well, gee, you know, we wouldn't have that kind of movie today? The, all the uh, monster films today, without all those things that preceded. Yeah. Anyway, so I'll take the uh,
0: Harryhausen. Yeah, for sure, <laughs> Ray Harryhausen. And I'll, throw in a clip.
1: I'll, I'll also throw in Harry and the Hendersons, a lovely film.
0: Love nice. Harry and the Hendersons. I Love, used to watch uh, that all the time.
1: My my brother-in-law directed that. Movie. Oh what, really? Yes, yes. Wow, that's very wow. interesting. Yeah, and it's a, a a charming film and I think one of the really? best of the sort of Spielberg produced by movies, you know? But I, I may be slightly biased to <laughs> the familial content. But... Well,
2: it, it was as far like the days of those sort of, of um of those family friendly sort of uh movies that appeal to everyone that aren't like a movie that I feel like the days are kinda of gone where you would get a, a family movie that was appeal to the whole family you know like a lot of them are either aimed at the kids or aimed at the adults and it's not usually something that's everybody i don't i don't feel like i see those as much
1: that's what that's what disney animated features and and uh dreamworks animated features and things like that uh pixar you know as a division of disney that's what those films do now they give everybody something to watch and enjoy together Mm -hmm. and in the cartoon business, the thing that I do and so many of the people that you've talked with, our job is to entertain the family. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, it's, it's what we, instead of calling it children's animation. Now, what, what the terminology we use is kids and family. Mm -hmm. It's different than adult animation or, you know, primetime animation or whatever you want to call it. What Mm -hmm. we do is we entertain. We hope we tell a story that engages the kids and, and they find funny or charming or whatever. And the parents can sit through it because all of us, you know, as parents who've sat through some dreck, you know, you don't <laughs> yeah. You, you want to keep the parents awake while you're, you know, having the funny animal do silly things. Mm-hmm. So we, you give them enough so that there's something for them too, you know, and it can be something like Octonauts, which is an absolutely brilliant series. You mm-hmm. could be something like Stillwater, which is a, a, an absolutely beautiful uh, preschool show. I've written on a couple of episodes of that, uh, which is on Apple. what is
0: that called again? I have a toddler, I'll have to still
1: water. It's on it's Stillwater. on Apple Plus, and it's uh, the okay. showrunner. And that is a, a very, very good writer and sh- a showrunner named Rob Hoagie. And he has made something it's mindfulness is what they teach, mm-hmm. and oh, wow. it, it's at a completely different pace than anything wow. we do normally. It is quiet and contemplative and it's gorgeously animated it's and they've won a peabody and an emmy or a couple of them and it's just it's absolutely brilliant the another show i worked for for rob a few years ago was thunderbirds are go a reboot of the old puppet show but done with CG characters and oftentimes you know miniature location sets so it was a beautiful show out of the uk itv was one of the producers on it Based on the old, you know, uh, um, super marionette stuff. Like
2: I that. used to watch a lot of the, those old reruns when I was a kid I'm on yeah, my TV. So much <laughs> much. Yeah. Really feature
1: quality animation. It was just, I was what a pleasure. I wrote a couple, three of those. It just great stuff. So you know, uh, anything with Rob's name on it, you know, it's going to be gorgeous. But Nico and the Sword of Light, source sword and source reaction adventure show. He produced that too. He's one of those go to guys. But then I've been working for um, on some British shows, uh, one of which will come out next month on Netflix. I can't say its name, and there's an NDA. But uh, I'm working with the story editor on that. Was the same story editor on something called Robozuna, which was a British show, and I worked with Kevin Hobbs. 30 some years ago, he was my story editor on Darkwing Duck. So, you know, you you know, you know who you like, you like who you know, you work together if you're lucky. And so th- these are friendships that were formed back in those days that continue today. And I like that, that
2: about the writer's world. It seems like it's very incestuous in that way, that you guys you well, become friends and you just continue and, and, and help each you, other's projects.
1: Incestuous. more yeah, I suppose. Who well, use that
2: word either? Familiar. Familiar. <laughs> yeah. Familiar. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah, yeah. We're, F-
1: we're, F- if, if you're lucky enough, you get to work with some wonderful people, as yeah. and I've been lucky enough. And so you, you get to see uh, how our careers have, have been flowed over time. So, you know, once in a while you get a chance to, go back to the well and say, Oh, hi fellas. We're back.
2: You know, anyway. Well, we should probably let you go. We've, I think we take enough of your time, but I just wanted to uh, to thank you so much for being on the show. And, uh, and just ask like, as far as uh, as a writer, like, you know, um, legacy is probably something that you probably think about, I'd imagine on a regular basis. So if you, uh, if you had to, to pick, um, (laughs) you know as far as like the, the things in your canon that you would like to be remembered for what what would you what would you like this to be
1: wow Again, I there's there's not just one. I mean Yeah, that's fine. The night the Nightcrawler thing, people will yeah. remember that for a long time. Yeah. Um, some of the early stuff on on The Disney Afternoon, people remember that stuff fondly. The uh, American Tale and Land Before Time movies I did for Universal. Mm-hmm. They have their fans. Certainly my work Those on Static great. Shock and Ben Ten, I'm very proud of all of that. Um but you know, I just I, I hope that people will remember enjoying the stuff that I did and that, that, um, you know, it'll still provide some kind of, you know, it's a good company and a few laughs and maybe, you know, tug at the heartstrings a little. Uh, that's, that's why we write. That's what we were just silly enough to think that people should hear about how we feel about the world. Uh, you know, I have something to say and my perspective requires your attention. It's a, weird mindset it really is you know because who really cares but you know if you if you're fortunate enough to get to do this for a living and it is a very way weird way to make a living um i'm just i'm just i've been very lucky that's all so you know if people like what i've written over the years i'm 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 thrilled you know no.
2: Well, a lot of folks do. I can tell you that much. So right. definitely is. Yes.
1: very touched. Thank you. Part uh, of our
2: childhoods for sure. Yeah, huge pleasure to meet you. Yes, yeah. thank you so much, Leonard. It was awesome talking to you,
1: guys. Thank you so much for inviting me. And and uh, good luck with the next. Uh, who's who's up at bat next? Whatever it is, I hope it goes uh,
2: well. We uh, we uh, We take
1: breaks
0: Lawrence in between. Lawrence <laughs> Bane. Is that who's next? Yeah, the next interview is Lawrence Bane. Oh, cool. Voice actor of Cable. Oh, really? That's awesome. I didn't even know that.
1: <laughs> That's fantastic. Cool. Well, life is full of surprises, isn't it? Yeah, well, we, uh, uh, we
2: we generally just watch episodes of the show and review them, and then we spread it up with uh, interviews once okay. in a while.
1: So. I actually, okay, one last point. Yeah. I actually had a chance to meet uh, half a dozen of the voice actors who worked on the original X-Men series. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd never met them there in Canada. I was here. But we were all together at uh, a convention at the Grand Rapids Comic Con.
2: Yeah, I think That's I said Lenore life. was posting a lot of that. She, yeah, uh, and, she, she's and, from our area, my area where I live now. Oh so, yeah? Okay. yeah.
1: Well, it was a pleasure to meet her. Just uh, again, lovely, charming, mm-hmm. funny, smart people. Uh, so that was uh, kind of a kick to finally hear the voice of these people umpty years later. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, and uh, Eric and Julia and Larry had met some of them before at other conventions, but this was my first opportunity and really nice folk, you know, and uh, I hope we'll have a chance to do that again. Cause that was a real kick at Grand Rapids comic con to sit down and be on panels with these people and chat with them afterwards, and you know, break bread and all that sort of thing. Anyway, uh,
2: I feel like there's such a resurgence for the show now that there's definitely going to be a lot more of that coming down the pipeline. I'd imagine for you guys. So
1: one would hope, you know, because we're always glad to have someone send us a plane ticket and a per diem and mm-hmm. say, "Come and talk to us," because you know we're lonely. We sit in our room. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Writing is alone. I I, I hear it's that a, often in some of those pods. Very solitary. Uh, it's very,
1: very silly. Sol- so yeah. you know, we're we're always glad to have company.
0: Uh, <laughs> and tickets in the mail, but since we've already done the interview, we'll just have to hang. Thank a you.
1: If you can work that out for us to get us up to Canada, or oh, better yet, I hear there are a couple of really nice conventions in, in London and Edinburgh, so we mm-hmm. could, you know, uh, or Manchester, so if you can ship us overseas, that'd be terrific. <laughs> you know, so. uh, absolutely, on, I'd, love I'd love to be there with you in Edinburgh. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Bring X Ray to the X Men animated review show too. Yeah, and we, we do a life. live episode we're of this at Marvel. the event. That's a great yeah, that's idea. Right, Let's, we should be except there too. <laughs>
1: the, the time zone difference, right? And oh. so get you up yeah. past your bedtime, guys. I'm sorry. No, um, not
2: at all. We're we're good. We're night owls. So, all right. I have a toddler. I don't sleep.
1: That's right. Well, that that changes. Eventually, they go off to school. You know. yeah
2: and I'm just a workaholic with cats. So.
1: All right. that's a good <laughs> Like that. All right, guys, you've been no, great. Too. Thank you so much for thank having you, me. Len, you thank
0: you, Len. Thank you. Thanks right. a lot, Len. All right. Take, take, All right it, take it. Take it easy. One, two, three.